Do you believe in miracles? Got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, Fizzle? good, man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Dynasty best ball, that's my favorite way. 40 chess trade show. Let's make a trade today or check the AMA. You know Adam at the ATM. Mike always in the building. He gonna stay with him. They gonna start every show off with their own trade. Fantasy's a big ocean, they made their own wave. Make sure you tapping in Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday night, Saturday morning, ain't no better way. Hit that notification bell when the news break. Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late. Destination Devi, that's the team. Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing. I remember Biggie said it was all a dream. Now people watching on their phones and computer screens. Welcome to the team. Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. And yes, if you're hearing this voice, I am back. I am back from vacation. It was a wonderful time on the Miami Dolphins fan cruise with my pops. A lot of great stories. Go check out our YouTube channel. We talked a little bit on the AMA that we did this week. Uh, Some insight, some insider knowledge. But I am just glad to be back talking to you guys, talking to the Dynasty Degenerates, and most importantly, talking with my buddy, back again adam how you doing man it's so good to be back in this chair chopping it up with you you had some incredible guests you've been killing it while i was gone i had to get back man or i was gonna get my spot replaced felt like i was getting kicked out yeah yeah the the cream of the crop taking my spot like we didn't get no bums off the street (laughs) you got the best of the best listen man I, i always put myself in the reverse roles right like if Mike was doing this and I wasn't here, how would it be? And you know what the answer always is? It's like the old T.I. Creme de la creme, homie. You know, like he'd always have it just pimped yes. out. Best of the best of the world. So when Mike's out, we make sure we, we do everything we can on the 4D side for the Dynasty Degenerates to make sure that it's as close to the same quality as with Mike out. So um, I always make sure I try to bring the be- best guests I can. But, man, it's really good to have you back. I always miss having my best friend in the space back. And it's just something right about, you know, doing 4D with Mike McNutted. You know, the uh, it's not on the, the intro anymore, but the Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World. We're back, you know. <laughs> We're back. One of the best things about being gone, uh, being out, like there wasn't a lot. I had a, had a great vacation, had an absolute blast, but... One of the best things, Adam, I was in some more uh, progressive states as far as gambling laws go than the state of Iowa. So I got to hit up them underdog drafts, baby. I got in the Superflex tournament. I got 10 entries in. I was able to do drafts in between airports and chilling at my dad's house after the cruise or before the cruise. So kind of crazy, it. man. Love Promo it. code 4D chess gets you in there. You'll hear the uh, the ad roll run later in this podcast. But Adam, man, I walked away. I got 50% or more ownership exposure to these Uh-oh. players Uh-oh. And, and this is dangerous i'll list, list. them off dangerous list. I'll, 
I will list them off, and you just you just let me know if it fits me. <laughs> fits me, and I know it I fits about. you. But let's hear it. Mac Jones. <laughs> Next, of course, that's an easy fit. <laughs> and how can I have Mac Jones without his number one receiver, Juju Smith Schuster? Oh, Come on. Goodness. <laughs> how about how about this man, your guy, Kendra Miller, fifty percent. He was going at RB55, and at those I, prices. I like that, too. I don't know if you saw in, in the newsletter. I think it was DB. It's hard. I, I keep reading these ones, but I know somebody, I think it was DB, that put in the newsletter that, like, Kendra's price on underdog is criminal. and It's he's, stupid. Yeah, so, so I mean, that one is see, – see, what I like about that one, though, let me say, and I don't know where you take uh, Mac and, and Juju, but, like, with Kendra, right, it's to the point of – now, in underdog drafts, there's not a lot of spots where, like, you really don't want to afford a lot of zeros um, right. because it's not that deep. But at that point, when it's to the end of the draft, Kendra is a uh, – I see in ceiling. Let me say this. I see in, like, a ceiling-type scenario, like Kenneth Walker-type, maybe a bad early start, right. right? Like, four, five, six weeks of not doing much. But then all of a sudden, by, like, week nine, eight, ten – Guys really becoming a top 20, 10 running back uh, weekly has a chance to really matter for you. Right. He's uh, going at RB55 ADP of 182. (laughs) Is that the last round? Uh, No, no, not the last round. So there's 20 rounds, 20 spots to fill. So So you're getting close, though. 16? Yeah. You're you're taking him as an RB5, RB6, most places. Uh, Antonio Gibson. Surprise, surprise. RB42. So where's where's the list that doesn't sound like you that uh, that we and, talked uh, about before this? The last one of fifty percent exposure or more, DJ Moore. Come on, Matty Kewum is like doing backflips right now. Fifty percent exposure to DJ Moore. Had to get some. Five shares of him. And then uh, you know, the next couple guys on the list, forty percenters. The last ones we'll really talk about. Juwan Johnson, no surprise, huh? Me, tight end seventeen, and Sean Tucker. So it is definitely a a Mike list. And I'm taking all these guys at ADP. I'm not reaching on these dudes. But when you come to the list, I'm going, holy hell. Like, I have to take them here. Let's go. (laughs) You're going to let me have them? I just thought it was crazy. I did 10 drafts, and I look at my exposure levels, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, that kind of fits. Did feel like I was getting Kendra all the time or Sean Tucker all the time. Yeah, you just giving these guys away? I mean, I'll take them. Oh, I had a blast, man, doing these drafts. So we'll see how they shake out. I got 10 of them in in the uh, the Superflex tournament. Uh, Kendra is the one I was probably really excited about. And surprise, surprise, we talked about it before I left, but what were we going to do? We were going to recap these rookie drafts, these real money drafts that we were doing. We talked about six, yep. and they were we, mostly done. Yep. We, t- we uh, talked when the, left the we talked, uh, When you were out, we talked about you know thoughts and opinions and analytics with jb and you know where everyone's at but what we're going to bring to you is the real money it's not just thoughts it's not just opinions it's where people actually went when people have money on the line basically 50 dollars or higher i believe on every one of these leagues mike at minimum for right. people that were right. entry fees um some of them more 75 100 plus so uh i i think this one will kind of tie in all the thoughts we've had with this class not saying that you know you won't still have changing opinions on the class but where it will tie it in is you have data points with money on the line that show where people are actually going and i think that's very big for people right. before the nfl draft which will be kicking off next week when we do next week's episode 
the, the fr- day one's already done, right? So it's it's a good point for people that do still have some pre-landing spots to know and then also to help figure out what they want to do with the landing spots if they're after the draft. Just like next uh, last year, next week when we do it, we'll record it before the actual NFL draft. It'll come out after day one. So uh, we, we should stick with it like we did last year, our bold predictions for the NFL draft, our predictions Ooh, on where it. we're going because we were massively wrong last year. So let's, let's do just it. do it two years So we'll do it. We'll record it, yeah, Wednesday before or Sunday before, and then it'll come out on Friday and you get to clown us if, uh, right. or, or tell us we were great. That's great. So the uh, we did six drafts on the last one. The other seven have uh, kicked off. They're in various stages. Some of them already done. But these are all pre-NFL rookie ones, drafts that we're doing. The so ones we have 13 that, in total. The ones that are closer to done, uh, in particular one, you know, somebody helped really get the first and second round <laughs> so kind of solidified some, fast. You know, we got it some, off of the bank. Some guy had like 30 picks. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I don't know who that was, but it, it basically helped out. It really helped out, you know, the, the speed of that draft. So I, I'm, I, I do want to talk, and um, I'm interested to – walk through some of this stuff, but also get the information to the dynasty degenerates who are probably really wanting more than anything. Like his opinions are all over the place, but money on the line is something that's a little different. We talked extensively on the last one about the first round. Uh, and that's pretty much what we focused on. And Adam, nothing really changed with these other seven. Like they're all through the first round. Uh, I've been keeping track of the ADP. Nothing really shifted. Bijan, A. Rich, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, those are your solidified top four pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Your next group, it's like uh, JSN and Will Levis and Jameer Gibbs, right? The top seven, which we talked about the last time, still the top seven. After that, uh, Jordan Addison, Zach Charbonnet, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, and Jalen Hyatt round out the first round, the top 12 guys. And they're all pretty much locked in. There's a Big enough difference between like Jalen Hyatt and Josh Downs, who is 13th in our ADP, uh, to say that you know the first round is pretty much solidified everywhere. We have a little bit minor variances with some of these guys, maybe slipping in the early part of the second round, but nothing crazy, nothing we need to rehash there. What I really mm-hmm. wanted to focus on is the second round and above because quick, I think real yeah, quick, let me just let me just say this point because I think that. Um, we, we all know, and we've talked about this, and I think just to illustrate before we get to the second round, because I know that's going to be the bulk of the show. When we get to the uh, 107, moving past that, 108 and further, right? So just, just to give ideas for them, let's talk about ADP for each player real fast, and then also the last spot they went. So they have an understanding of, of floor. So let, like Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Zach Charbonnet, Jalen yeah. Hyatt. Let, let's just real quick walk through... So, ADP and then what the yeah. what the worst spot they went was. The reason I we talk about the 107 and just to try to visualize it for those of you listening is Jameer Gibbs has an ADP of 6.31 and mm-hmm. Will Levis has one of 6.0, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 drafts, 6.0. Uh, Jordan Addison is a 9.0 and that's the guy who's sitting at 108. Exactly. And that's why that ADP is so that. big to, to hit home because that is a one spot difference, right? But it's a three point difference in ADP. That's crazy. So Jameer Gibbs, right, our current 107, never slipped past pick seven. Same for Will Levis. Lowest they ever got is 107. They never even went to 108. Never even went there, which is why a tear break is clear as day because it never happened. So for Jordan Addison, on the the contrary, 
the highest he went. He's our 108. He's been 108 multiple times, mm-hmm. but he's also been 9, 10, 11. Uh, we even got one here where we went to 112. Wow. <laughs> oh, so there, so we, got, go. we, we also have one where he went to 202. Ooh. So the variance is also wild, right? So right. so even though he's 108 in ADP, right, based on what the ADP will force you to show, he's been all the first round and sometimes has made it to the second round, which is really wild, but yeah. Yeah. Granted, it was only one time, so if you want to throw that out as an aberration, that's fine. Even then, let's say it's, he's been 112. He's been every piece of the first round. Right. Zach Charbonnet at 9.69. Uh, again, he's gone as high as 8. Uh, but he's gone as low as 12. So Zach Charbonnet is kind of the interesting one where he's never slipped out of the first round and no, n- none of the drafts that we've done. Not even – even Jordan Addison slipped out of the first round. And, right. And Charbonnet has not. Okay. Uh, QJ, same thing. Quentin Johnson as high as 8, but he also has a low of 14, so 202. And that's kind of like Addison. At, very similar to Addison. The, the difference between him and Addison, he doesn't have as many 8s. <laughs> not right. as many people are pushing him. He has not gone – Addison, let me and uh, let me ask you this because I think the answer is yes. Addison, I believe, has gone eight most times out of yes. the thirteen drafts. Yep, and that's why he's one hundred eight in ADP. Right, he's okay. got the most one hundred eights. Yep. Uh, Zay Flowers, so he's got eleven point seven seven. He's gone as high as nine, which was a kind of a shocker for us a little bit, right? To see him up that high, I get it, I understand it, and he's gone as low as two hundred two as well. And he's gone, he's done that a couple times, right? So. Uh, Jalen Hyatt is probably the last one, right? The 112 in the ADP, he's got 12.46. His highest, 9, but his lowest, 204. Wow. So kind of all over the map. Wow. That's crazy, man. That rounds up the first round, man. Yep. 204 for Jalen Hyatt. And that's also think- because – let me just say the last part of that is that one guy we didn't talk about, which has been very a lot more variance, but has pushed him probably to 204 – is the fact that Hennon Hooker in these last seven has changed from the first six and that he's basically going in the late first, early second every time. This has been the biggest. There's there's two risers here in the early part of the second round that I've seen by data, just by visual, uh, also shifted my strategy on how I'm drafting here in these last couple, is there's two players. And one of them is Hennon Hooker, which you touched on where I think more people are comfortable taking him. So for Hendon Hooker, he's gone in the first round a couple times. Um, the lowest he's ever gone is in one of the earlier ones. He was the two, 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 ten, two, ten, Adam. Wow. <laughs> two, ten. Almost, almost there's, went to the third round. Wow. Right. There's no way in any one of these with us sitting there that we'd ever take him past like 203, 204 at the latest. Right. Like Hennon Hooker, so let's touch on Hennon Hooker real quick. The reason that I like Hennon Hooker and I think his his ADP is fitting is because when you're making that bet at 203 or 204, what we're betting on in the pre-NFL draft is this talk, this chatter that Hennon Hooker might be a first-round NFL draft pick. And if Hennon Hooker is a first-round NFL draft pick, whether you like his prospect profile, his age, all the knocks, the ACL injury, doesn't matter. If he's a first-round NFL draft pick, at the quarterback position, and you're getting him in your rookie drafts at the 202, 203, 204? It's a theft. It's theft. It's uh, Mac Jones, but probably even a little bit better. Right, right, right. 100%. So, Hendon Hooker, like, 
not surprising, but definitely to your point has been rising up in these last seven where people are more tuned to it. And maybe it's the first six, us talking about it, us doing the drafts and you and I pulling the trigger on the, when we had those spots going like, yeah, I'm comfortable. If I miss and he's not a first round NFL draft pick, I burn the two Oh three. I burn the two Oh four. I could really care less. Like, right. Am I going to feel bad about it a little bit, but it's not like I burned the 104. Exactly. It's not like last year when you and I were taking Malik Willis at the 102. Like, I mean, that's something you can't walk back from. Yeah. I mean, those Matt Corrals, you know, 106, oh. 107, the, all of them, Sam Howells, whatever it was. It, yeah, they burned you. The Early second in this class, let me say this about that point, right? I think what happens here is you have to assess what's going on. I think why this landing spot of ADP, not landing spot in the NFL, where he's going as far as late first, early second is it kind of correlates with the tier break, right? So essentially, after 107, people are very divided, right? And I think that's key to note because that's why I asked for the floor and to talk about ADP and all these guys because Addison, right, is, is the 108 in most drafts. And I think for a lot of people's drafts that they go through, that's what's going to happen. And Quentin Johnson would be there and so would Sharps. But it's not this consensus. Like, we've seen other guys go there. We've seen people that are very torn on what to do with 108, 109, 110, 111, 112, 201, 202, 203, 204. And the reason that's so key is because at that point, I think dynasty managers are willing to say, this, the floor safety here, it doesn't exist for me, right? They're not s- secure enough in any of these prospects, today because we're drafting prospects you have to remember there's no draft capital associated there's no landing spot associated so when you think about it from that lens and you say okay there is chatter that Henan Hooker has first round DC the risk reward I think people are shooting their shot on the reward knowing the risk is lower but they're also like I don't really love anyone here so this is where I feel more comfortable taking the upside play of if if Henan Hooker is a first round pick I don't even care what point where he lands, that means more to them than today these these receivers and running backs that are more polarizing as far as the way the community views them and ultimately the manager, they may not feel very comfortable with a lot of these prospect profiles. I also think it's a big draft sequence. Like if you have a, a 203, 204, you probably also have like a 303, a 304, somewhere in that range. Well, that's big because here's the thing. If you have those – you can forego sharps. You can forego the running backs, right? And even the right. tight ends, if that was Mayer or that was. But the one thing about this class that's tougher is the wide receivers really thin out. So if you did want to shoot your shot on downs or those guys, you probably need to do it earlier. But to your point, the draft sequencing, I fully agree. That's a big point, too. So the other one that I was going to talk about that has been a riser, and I don't know if you've seen it as well in these drafts, is Michael Mayer. A hundred percent I have. And he went in the first round a couple times too. He has been flying up and and being taken earlier and earlier. And part of it is me. I've been taking more and more shares of Michael Mayer, probably because the first six, Adam, you and I really just sat back and were like, why take Michael Mayer when I can take Luke Musgrave and Sam Laporta in the third round? (laughs) Like, let me take two shots on these guys. Yep. But the more and more I look at Michael Mayer, the more and more I, I see the Twitter buzz around him, the more and more I look at the Raz where we thought he was going to be a bad athlete. And all of a sudden it's like, actually, Michael Mayer is kind of a plus athlete. He, he's not he's not, he's not. not a minus. He's he's a little bit above right. average still. You know, right. like he, He's not right. a Raz uh, doll. He didn't crush the Raz score, but it's like, okay, this is better than I was expecting. So 
is a lot more intriguing than we thought before he tested. Right, and he's got a lot of good analytical data points. The film is very good on him. Like one of the things that Notre Dame did utilize him as is moving him around the formation, using him in the slot, but also that red zone monster. Like you watch some of those clips of him going up and just being a weapon in the red zone, you're going, if I'm looking at taking Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, why the hell am I not looking at taking Michael Mayer? Even though this tight end class is deep, I could take Michael Mayer. But it doesn't preclude me from also taking Luke Musgrave or Sam Laporta in the third round as well, right? Just because I take one doesn't mean I can't take two. So that's Michael Mayer big, has been moving up. That's the other big thing too, Mike, is that all that stuff basically really, really amounts to draft capital being very certain as far as pretty early. Like all, all, Checking all those boxes basically removes any of the doubts, especially pre-landing, of – Listen, I mean, we like all these profiles for these other tight ends, but there's not really a lot of guarantee for, you know, uh, the crafts of the world, the whatever one you like. I mean, I know you and I like Sam Laporta a lot, but like their right. draft capital, their landing spot is so, so uncertain relative to Michael Mayer is, is going to is, go yeah. <laughs> very high. So so that, that I yeah. think, is part of the separating factor for him. And even like Dalton Kincaid, who people really like, it's like, man – it's not as sure as Michael Mayer, right? Like the, a lot, the, there, there's a lot the of drafts, drafts you'll see. Yep. There's a lot of uh, our real money drafts will show in a lot of these drafts where he's, they're very close, Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid, but it's like, man, when you think about how different their DC could be, like that's kind of a scary proposition. Even if you'd like Dalton Kincaid and his upside, if they're wildly different draft capital and he doesn't actually get the chance and people start like, you know, half a year in, a year in, two years in, like he could have a totally different, uh, you know, basically safety net as far as value goes than does Michael Mayer. You you talk about it too, like you just look at the NFL side, and if you look at some mock drafts through just a spectrum, hundred percent, most of them are going to have Michael Mayer as a as a first round pick, if not early second round pick at worst. Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, Darnell Washington. Like, you'll see mock drafts with those guys possibly in the first round or early part of the second round. But then you'll also see one where they're a fifth-round pick. They're a sixth-round pick. They're a fourth-round guy. <laughs> like, the spectrum of where they can go in the NFL community feels about them is wide. I think it's also attributed to how we view them in Dynasty and how we're viewing them in this rookie draft. So, like, Michael Mayer has an early pick of 108 which was a two tight end league. So that's going to skew it a little bit more, but he goes off the board at the one Oh eight. The latest he's ever been is the two Oh four. Adam, he goes at pick 16, right? That is the latest he's ever been. Dalton Kincaid is tight end two in our ADP. He has an early pick of 10. I <laughs> same two tight end league, right? Goes at pick 10, but his late, right? So you're talking about similar to Michael Mayer, his floor, as far as where he's going, pick 26. Wow. <laughs> so, so, hold on. Say, say that again because I think people really need to take this point in. Pick 26, the 302, man. He may share some of the elite ceiling as far as draft capital goes in some of these leagues, right? 8, 10, basically the same thing. But Michael Mayer is never slipping past the 204, the right. 205. Which is Dalton pick- Dalton Kincaid is going in the third round. Right, so he's never going past 16 or 17, where right. Kincaid is going to 26, you're saying. <laughs> right, right. He's going into the third round. And now that doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as how their careers can right. play out. 
But I think what's important to note, Dynasty Degenerates listening, is that the the audience and the people that are drafting in these leagues, they're they're different. There are a lot of different drafters here, right? And we have a, a big sample size. 13 pre-NFL drafts is a lot. The fact that the variance is this high shows you that there's not nearly as much love and certainty for Kincaid. And I think that matches his draft capital. Um, whereas Michael Mayer, I, I think there's just truth to his draft capital being more secure, his profile being more secure. He's a name that's got a bigger name cachet. All those things amount to community value and perception, which give him a safer floor and better value insulation. So if you're going to shoot your shot, and I think this is the biggest thing for me, and this is why I actually haven't taken Mayer. I don't think I've actually been in a position to do it, but I've also have my teams, you talk about sequencing, right? And I think for me, the way my a lot of my drafts have gone sequencing-wise, I know I can get multiple shots later. And it's not that I don't devalue Mayer and know his safety floor, but I look at a lot of my drafts and I'm like, okay, if you're going to, if I'm going to shoot my shot on the first tight end, I need to know where that is, right? Where are the other ones going to be? Where am I positioned in my draft? I think that's the biggest thing that I think people don't think about when they take a guy like Mayer, right? Right. You're going to be the one that very likely is breaking the tight end seal. Right, so to speak. Right, like you haven't, you've been drinking. You have to piss. <laughs> you don't. When am I going to break the tight end seal? Right, and I think that's a big point, though, honestly, because if I'm in the second round, man, okay, like you held off long enough. Let's go ahead, go ahead and reward yourself, break the seal if you want to. But also, is it is this one of your only picks? Do you need the tight end? Do you not have picks in the third, fourth round? Really, okay, go ahead and do that. Or, you know, do you have three thirds and a fourth. And you're like, you know what? Maybe here I can shoot my shot on a position that I is going to run out faster in the early second round. For example, Mike, the receiver position, like it's going to dry out fast, right? Unless you're going to take your chances on a Marvin Mims, a Cedric Tillman, you know, whether that's a, you can go down the list like way later, Rakeem Jarrett shooting long shots, but the receiver position thins out a lot quicker. So maybe you can say, I'll take Josh Downs or I'll take uh, Jalen Hyatt here and I'll forego Mayer, and then maybe later in the third, I can take a couple shots on a Musgrave, a, a Tucker Craft, a Sam Laporta. I think that's a big part of the conundrum with Mayer, because I'm with you as far as he has the safest floor, and probably, if we're being honest, he may have the highest ceiling in this class, too. I think the big one for me, and, and I know one league where I took him in the first round, the big one for me is I'm looking at him versus, you, you just mentioned it, like taking one of these wide receivers. And I'm going, there's so many of these guys, whether it's from Jordan Addison down to like Marvin Mims that I feel comfortable with. After that, there's a big fall off. Mm -hmm. And then if I look at the running back position, like could I have taken Zach Charbonnet there? Yeah. But when I look at the second round running backs, so we got Kendra Miller as the RB4 off the board. We got Tajay Spears, Devin A-Chain, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, Roshan Johnson, and Israel Banacanda like all in a very similar range. And it's like, why take Charbonnet when I, when I don't think there's that big of a difference between him or any one of these running backs right now, like any one of these guys I could take in the second round and be just fine. If I look at it, when we were talking about Dalton Kincaid or Darnell Washington or Sam Laporte or Luke Musgrave, one of these other tight ends who have a much broader spectrum of where they could land NFL wise or how their careers play out. 
I just felt much safer taking a Michael Mayer. It's like, why not just take him now and then just come back with a running back that I feel is very similar to like a Zach Charbonnet. Because if I if I were to take Charbonnet and then take Dalton Kincaid or Sam Laporte or one of those guys in the mid to late second round, I'm going, eh, I don't feel as good. Like Charbonnet right. and Kincaid or or Mayer and, and Kendra Miller. Sure. <laughs> like I feel much better about Mayer and Kendra Miller just with the sequence aspect of it. So the second round, Adam, is is Josh Downs, Michael Mayer, Hendon Hooker, Kendra Miller, Dalton Kincaid, Tajay Spears, Devin H. Hay, Take Bigsby, Marvin Mims, Zach Evans, Darnell Washington, and Sean Tucker currently rounding out Those the, the second round. Okay. So so I think another thing real quick, Dynasty yeah. Generous, you you know if you listen to this, if you're new, we appreciate you uh, you, you tapping in. But if, if you listen to this a lot, you know we we strategize a lot with best ball and you should already know these are best ball leagues and i think at least understand that point like i think the majority of the picks here are going to be very similar to lineup yes. but also understand that these are all best ball leagues so give that a little bit of a thought too do you think there's only like maybe one or two guys that i see here where i go like maybe they they have different values in lineup like Devin A. Chain, would Devon you value a. Chain, him Devon in? A. Chain's the yeah. first, the first and obvious elephant in the room, and I and I would say this too. I think it's a misconceived notion that we've already talked about on the Best Ball roster construction series with him because of his size. Now, I think part of the problem is people are wanting to say that he, even though he's smaller, has the ability to handle a bigger workload than just a third down role, right? Because he's right really good between the tackles. He, he, he plays stronger than his frame, all this stuff. But when you start thinking about it from a process standpoint, what are you betting on? And the reality is I don't care what you say the answer is. Cause there's a, probably a lot of different answers and you can have your opinion and stuff. And I'm not saying that that's not why you drafted him, but the reality is the truth in the biggest thing you're betting on with him is an outlier. And mm-hmm. the reality is his size, what he did in the testing, all this stuff, like in the in a marketplace where the running back position is as devalued as it is right now, which is the most we've ever seen. Betting on an outlier when there's other guys, because you go past Devon A. Chain, right? I'm telling you right now, there's six running backs still that have profiles that, if it does hit, if they do get the right landing spot, if they do get the workload, are far safer as far as what they possess. And that's, I think, my biggest problem with Devon A-Chain. And this probably is irrelevant of lineup in best ball, but I do agree that in best ball, people that say, all right, well, maybe he's not the best in lineup because he may not take this 80% snap share, which I got news for you. If you think that, most people aren't going to take that. There's very few and far <laughs> between running backs in the NFL that take 80% workload in general. We pray for 60%. Right. If you get 70%, you're hitting on something, right? So the point is, like, I think people in best ball – are going to be like, okay, well, at least there it's different because I don't need him to hit that, and he could still be really good because he's special. He's different. Fine. But understand it's an outlier, and understand where you're drafting him. There are subsequent drafts, players drafted, I should say, that are, if they both hit, probably better and safer bets. Now, if you think that Devon A. Chain's special and you want to bet on the enigma and the outlier, and you want to say that he could basically be like what Chris Johnson was, fine like like that's been a long time ago <laughs> and he's not going to likely get the draft capital which is like all right we're going to give this guy feature work so 
just understand, I think, with him, they're, they're, best baller lineup, risky, risky business, personally, in my opinion. Right. With him. <laughs> I think the biggest pain in the ass on Devon A-Chain is the fact that we, we kind of went through this a little bit last year where Ray sure does the, the film breakdown of Kyron Williams. And you and I both were like, man, Ray brings up some great points. This guy is fantastic. He's a good pass blocker. I like his movement skills. His film looks awesome. Then what happens? Yep. He goes to the combine, and he's he's atrocious. Wah, he's, wah, he's, wah. He is absolutely atrocious. We go rough, into man, it this rough. year, Ray's doing a breakdown of Devon H.A., and you're like, I like what he does. I like his speed. I like his burst. He does a lot of things nicely in the passing game. The problem is he's small. Goes to the combine, not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. Like, he's actually a really good athlete. Yep. So now we sit here, instead of being able to write him off, like if he went to the combine and was atrocious like Kyron Williams at that size – you and I both go, yeah, I'm good, man. Like, maybe I'll take him in the fifth as a dart, but I'm not even going to think about him any time before that. Instead, here we are going, man, I like everything I see on film, but that size still gets me. But damn, yeah, is he a right. good athlete. Damn, uh, is he a fantastic athlete. So yep, a little bit harder, a little bit harder because he didn't make the decision easy for us. So thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. A-Chain. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, you're, you're not wrong in the way you break that down. But but for me, when you look at guys of this size, it's just look at look at DeAndre Swift. Let, let me just let me just say this point, okay? DeAndre Swift has a much more sure profile as far as size and speed and, and weight and all that, and, and is incredible. I, and even today, I don't care what you say about the kid, incredible pass catching prowess. Right? This is a guy that we all were for years saying this is a three down guy. This is the guy we want in Dynasty. This is the back. This is the perfect one. There was arguments as as recently as 2021 in streams that I was in multiple different channels of this guy should be RB1. In the right. 2022 season, last year, the, the, the RB1, right? Before Brees had the resurgence and the, the, the uptick and then getting hurt. Like when he started very hot. There were people saying RB one, but the, and this guy is is two hundred plus pounds, man. Like this, right. <laughs> like like understand with with a chain, you're betting on a far different outlier. Even if you really like all that stuff, like relative to what we know today, you're betting on the biggest outlier that we've seen in a long time. And now, if you want to do that and you think it's the smart play because you strongly believe, fine. But just I think you need to understand that's the level of conviction that you should have on the kid if you're taking him mid-second or earlier. Honestly, like I really believe that's the type of conviction you need to have on him. Otherwise, you're just better off fading that type of risk because there's other profiles here that if they hit, offer more upside and probably more total ability to see the field. <laughs> the other thing we kind of do is, and it's a visual thing, it's, it's probably more human than anything else, but – we look at him and go, man, he weighs 188 pounds. He's too small. Well, you were just talking about uh, DeAndre Swift. He's 200 pounds. Well, that's not that much. You know, 12, 15 pounds, that's not that big of a deal. Go get a backpack and put 15-pound weight in it and then walk around all day and tell me that's not a big deal. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Visually, also, it doesn't seem like a lot. And then no also carry. understand that DeAndre Swift is 212. So add another 12, right? <laughs> go, go add 20 pounds to that. And then yeah. walk around. Yeah, put thirty pounds in a book bag and say, "Yeah, it ain't much. Like they're the same guy, you know." 
basically the same thing. Yeah, I get you. So A-Chain, probably the only one there where I think maybe some people would make the argument line up for best ball. I won't. I think it's the, the same for me. I get it, though. People in best ball think that because he doesn't right. have to play as often as it frequently to be a, a press-the-button starter, he could hit a right landing spot and still pop. I understand the, the idea there, but I think we talked about it in the best ball roster construction series with Scott that – Odds are not good of those pro like those type of backs that don't play a decent amount of workload really being guys you want to rely on. Adam, I got to talk to you a little bit. This is kind of our guy. This is uh, Eric Vanex guy. I know Eric is just he's gonna love that we talk about this guy. But when we did the first six, Kendra Miller, clear cut, no question about it, RB four, right? So we got Kendra Miller actually went off the board. He was a first round one. pick a lot of times. Yeah, he went out. He went out pick eight. He went at pick 12 a handful of times. Uh, those first six drafts that we did, I mean, he was pretty solidified. These last ones, Adam, he is uh, he is slipping, man. We're, I think we had one. I don't have the ADP on here because I didn't update it, but I think he was available in the early part of the third round. At, at the very worst, the late second, right? So he's got confirmed ADPs on here that I have. Pick 23, pick 20, pick 20, pick 18. So we're talking back part of the second round almost early third already off of those right what happened why I, why I, are people I, shifted what can what i did can I, I miss while i was on vacation you know it, it's funny because um i haven't been on vacation i've been in the trenches and i really don't understand that big of a variance with him so i'm kind of curious and what that means where people are shifting that much maybe maybe mm-hmm. mike it also just meant that um, the handful of drafts, those six drafts we did earlier, that people were more tapped into Destination Debbie, who's a little higher on the film grade sure. of Kendra. Yep. And, like it could just be, it could be coincidence. But I'm with you as far as it feels a lot more like there's a reaction to something that I'm not included on what that is, and there's never yeah, fun with that. It. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> like, what am I missing? Yeah. Like what. <laughs> what do you guys all know? Like, why am I, why am I like sitting here now at two Oh eight thinking like I would have taken him at two Oh two before quick first second. Right. Boom. On now all of a sudden two Oh eight. I'm like, what, what did I miss? What do you guys all know that I don't know about Kendra Miller? I, I think for me, I'm trusting the process. I, I I've done some digging and I couldn't really find anything of substance that made me worry other than like I have seen. And this is something that with Sean Tucker is similar, right? With the uh, not sorry, not Devon. With Kendra Miller, I've seen some draft capital differences with him in a lot of these mocks that are like wildly different. And gotcha. I think that might be for people where, when you're in a deep running back class, and I think it's been a while since we've been here. It's been 2020, right? So it's three years since it's been like this is a deep running back class. I think sometimes part of the reason it's there's fall is because. Maybe Kendra Miller for them is not as safe with draft capital and what they know where these names beforehand. Uh, a lot of times what we're seeing going earlier, which we're going later in the first six, were guys like Zach Evans, bigger name cachet. A lot of times better draft capital in some of these mock drafts, more safe draft capital. So I think I think there's some truth to that. And if there's something that I've, I've missed uh, this whole time, I guess I'm just not – tapped into the right spaces but i i don't know of anything that i don't know of anything that just like drastically changed where it's like yo we need to be very cautious about taking kendra miller where we weren't a couple weeks ago maybe it's partly my fault and your in your fault as well too because we've been i know in a lot of these drafts like i've had 
different amount of numbers of draft picks. And there's been times where just me, how I view these running backs. So, right, I have seven guys in the the same tier, right? We get to Bijan in his own tier, Jameer Gibbs in his own tier, but then it's Kendry Miller, Tucker, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans, Charbonnet, Roshan, Devin A-Chain. For me, like, I I view them all very similar. Like, I, I like all of them. I like all the profiles. I have no idea where their draft capital is going to be. Definitely in the second round, like, I've been more diversifying. Like thinking about my portfolio. So maybe at the spot at the 205 where I was going to take Kendra Miller was going to be a smash. Maybe sometimes I'm going, you know, I need some more Tank Bigsby. I need some more exposure. I need some more, you know, let me take some more Devon A-Chain. Let me take some more Zach Evans here. Let me just kind of mix it up a little bit. And maybe that also contributes to his fall and going like, I'm not saying that I'm that influential, but if you're sitting in a draft and you just watch me pass on Kendra Miller, do you, do you hesitate and go like maybe he knows something I don't know? Like that that false sense of maybe Mike knows something I don't like draft day. Well draft day. What, what do you also, know about Bo Callahan? There you go. <laughs> no one went to his birthday? No one went to Kendra Miller's birthday. Right, right. And then he No, but I mean the other thing too that I hadn't thought about, which you just mentioned, was I I don't know where we were positioned in those first six. And right. the fact that we maybe are a little more positioned in our mind is like all right i want kendra so we'll take him a little more like first and and second and maybe some of these other ones we weren't as positioned as well gotcha which then caused uh some of this to go down i, I actually don't know the answer i i this is one that i've noticed and i've been curious and i thought maybe you know mike's been on a boat he's he's basically got everything that you could possibly want known to man <laughs> at this point so maybe he had the insight but apparently not um, the other one I wanted to talk about, Marvin Mims. And Marvin Mims in relation to Josh Downs. He he is Massive. wildly different as far as variance goes. I've noticed this. How far apart do you view them as prospects? Like if you had to to think about it right now. Um, I think that I would say this. For me, I do lean downs by a decent amount, but like I'm not I've always been of the mind that Marvin Mims has been undervalued. I've actually kind of liked Marvin Mims quite a bit. Um, all along. I, I do think, though, that these pre-NFL drafts are showing me the community's difference, though, Mike. And that yes. is – and that's after Josh Downs, I think, let people down with uh, the right. size Sad and year. the combine and everything. Right? Yeah. Like, it's like, and he, did, he didn't have the greatest year to finish it out, even though Drake May balled out of his mind and was awesome. It wasn't the, right. so the year that The Sam Howell excuse was gone, too, right? And that's where it's right. like – it's interesting. I think that's another point. It's like uh, uh, Keishon Boutte, right? Keishon Booty, yeah. whatever you want to call There's something about that for dynasty community, especially the very, very deep dynasty degenerates and play like Debbie and stuff. There's a. It's hard to detach yourself from names. And we talk about this as exploitation. You can play up in dynasty leagues all the time. People that can't detach themselves from names and realizing values. And I think Downs, Boutte are, are very clearly – this year's versions of that because I'm not saying Downs is a bad guy, by the way. I, I, I've still liked Downs quite a bit. But when I look at Marvin Mims, like why is he so far down the list? Like I, I look at his size. It's not really like when I when I see his size, his height and weight, I'm not like, oh, this is a guy that he, he's too small. Like he can't be an NFL receiver in the NFL today. There's plenty of receivers in the NFL that have similar size to him. And then I look at his profile and I'm like, it's, it's solid. Like I get why you don't want to take him at 202 or something, but like, 
I want him. I want him in the second round a lot of times. And I see he's constantly in the third round. Like it's just it's crazy to me that he is so different than the other receivers when this is a receiver class, which after basically after that downs range and Hyatt and those guys, it falls off a cliff. Like you're shooting at Tillman, you're shooting at Mims, and then it really goes really gross. So he he's puzzling to me. You one of the grossest things I think I've ever ever encountered is going back and looking at Josh Downs versus Marvin Mims and going like, I think these guys are pretty similar. Yep. I probably favor Downs just because of the name, right? Like I've been a Sam Howell guy forever. Like I'm a big Drake May guy. Like I have this love for North Carolina players just kind of built in almost. Josh Downs is awesome. But when I went and I started watching Marvin Mims, I'm like, clear the brain. Don't think, you know, I'm not a big Oklahoma fan. I actually kind of hate the team. I root for them to lose all the time. Not that I like Texas or anything. I just, I don't like Oklahoma, even though that's uh, Bob Stoops, you know, Iowa legend. Right, (laughs) That's what he built that up. I just don't like Oklahoma. So let me clear my mind. Let me try to look at Marvin Mims through a a clear lens. And one of the grossest things I think I've ever seen is, is I'm watching him and I'm going, this guy reminds me a lot of Darnell Mooney. And then I go to player profiler. And what is the comp for Marvin Mims? Darno Mooney. And I go, damn it, I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> Darn it. Why'd you have to go why'd you have to go showing off like that? Why why you gotta comp him to a guy that I love too? Like I love some Darno Mooney I did last year. Uh we were wrong about him, uh, through injuries, bad offense, the whole thing for this past year, but I'm still in on Darno Mooney. Why am I not more in on Marvin Mims? And then I look at Marvin Mims, and I don't see a big gap between him and Josh Downs, though not at all. ADP and market is telling me right now there is a huge gap. <laughs> One guy's the clear 201, and the other guy is struggling to stay with it the second round. I, I will say this, though. I-, I think Marvin Mims, for me, is a guy I've actually been targeting quite a bit because of that. Like When, when I'm at the point of when I talked about draft sequencing earlier, and it's like, okay, right. The receivers are are really thinning out, and do I take Michael Mayer? I haven't actually taken Michael Mayer yet, but if I was going to, or it's going to be something else, I, I do think about, am I positioned to get Marvin Mims? And a lot of times that's a pivot I've been taking because I like it. But I'll say the big thing that I think everyone should think about, and this is, when you think about the difference between Josh Downs and Marvin Mims, I don't think people think about it as much, but it's the exact same conversation as uh, JSN and as Jordan Addison, right? And I think it, yeah. it, it's a, to a lesser degree, and people want to put it out of sight, out of mind, but the reality is if Marvin Mims comes out and plays well, that doesn't matter anymore, right? The the, the 203 and 303, whatever they went, it means right. nothing anymore, right? But if Marvin Mims comes out and doesn't play, and he's not getting on the field, and he's the, – the community perception, right? No one I, I, I've said this a, a lot. Community perception correlates directly – with dynasty value. And I think that's something to think about with the value of Marvin Mims. He's not a guy that people just, most people do not like Marvin Mims. They don't like themselves in Marvin Mims. So if he doesn't play well, he's not going to be afforded this year one pass where Sky Moore still somehow might be right. That's a big difference where Josh Downs, let's say he just has like four really good games, you know, but most of his season is not very good he might retain more value than Will Marvin Mims, who does the same thing in production. It's the reason their draft capital in Real Money Leagues is so different. I think that's something that you have to note. We've seen that throughout just based off of of name cachet, right? And and we've seen it through multiple classes, right? If you think back to like Jerry Judy versus Jalen Reger, 
Yeah. <laughs> Same kind of thing. Right. People are more willing to give Jerry Judy a pass for being bad for a couple of years, and you completely write off Jalen Rager after one year. Right. Yep. It was right. It ended up being right, but it just goes to prove the point. Like we, we talk about last year, Traylon Burks kind of had that that fall from grace a little bit, right? But what happened to Sky Moore? Like people like me are still going, like you should be in on Traylon Burks. He's still the guy. Like I want him, right? Even though even though he didn't do a whole lot, and uh, sell Sky Moore for any third that you can get, <laughs> just cash out and move on. It's just yep. the way it is, man. Yep. Guys who are in very similar ranges. If one of them is loved by the community, uh, they have a little bit more leeway to fail versus the other guy who is a little bit of a lesser unknown. Like in this case, I guess Marvin Mims. And I think you're a thousand percent right. If Marvin Mims doesn't do anything year one, no one cares. Like he he's, he's, he's on to... Scott Connor's roster clogger list. Get him off your team no matter what. Right. And and I think that's just something to note when you draft him is like, okay, yes this profile is actually better than probably his landing spot. Right. And you're probably going to say, okay, Marvin mimic makes a lot of sense in this target, but, and, and, and if he hits, it'll be a great pick and you'll be like, Oh yeah. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. It may, I, I killed it. But just understand that it does not, it, he's not going to likely afford you the same time that some of the other guys that you're drafting earlier will. And that's part of the reason you're getting them at, you know, a half a round or a round full difference in your rookie drafts. So we talked earlier about the uh, the one through seven tier. Uh, just judging off ADP here, then we have a basically an eight through two oh four tier, right? So that's going to be Addison, Charbonnet, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Hyatt, Downs, Michael Mayer, Hendon Hooker, and Kendra Miller. Mm-hmm. Adam, after that, we have a pretty big tier, and this one goes down to the early part of the third round. So it's going right. to be Dalton Kincaid, Tajay Spears, Devin, Devon A-Chain, Tank Bigsby, Marvin Mims, Zach Evans, Darnell Washington, Sean Tucker, Roshan Johnson, Israel Abanacanda, and Luke Musgrave. And pretty much after Luke Musgrave, everything just really starts to fall off, right? And this speaks to what you were talking about earlier is Cedric Tillman, Keyshawn Boutte, next guy's off the board. Next running back off the board is Chase Brown. I like Chase Brown, but I don't think when you look at him, Sean Tucker, Roshan, Abanacanda, like you don't put – chase brown in that same tier do you like when you're looking at i, him I draft, personally you don't, don't. Okay. i personally don't but like i i also know there are some people that are pretty high on chase brown because of what his size speed uh is yeah. and yeah he is a kind of i, I get freak. it i i get it as far as like um putting him right there for, for me it's not the same but I, I and that and that's ultimately like what you're getting at is that uh there's there's a difference when we get to this point at the running back position it is a. It's kind of wild all over here. After you get past like um, Musgrave and Abanacanda, the values and the swings and the spectrums of these guys from like the three hundred two, three hundred three, three hundred four on, throughout the rest of the draft are going to be all over the place. Wild. A couple of guys I wanted to highlight: Keishon Boutte. Right now, he is going at the three hundred five, three hundred five. Adam, for once was wide receiver one in this class. And Debbie, you were taking him like top six in the class, man. Right. You thought Jamar Chase had an awesome year at LSU. Look at Keishon Boutte's freshman year. He was this awesome. He's, he's the best receiver we've ever seen on track to be. And uh, now we're at the 305. How in or out are you on taking Keishon Boutte at this cost? Like, is this going to be an interesting one? Um, I, I think I've taken... 
I don't know if you can see it on there. I, I, I've taken maybe a couple shares. I, I'll say this. Um, I've taken a, uh, maybe two. And, and the reason I've taken that is more for portfolio diversification, more so than I actually really believe, right? It's more so on the fact of like, if he goes to a decent landing spot, if he right. has draft capital, if he has some training camp buzz, there is so much of the opposite of Marvin Mims, right? So it's a great point to talk about this because everything we talked about with Marvin Mims is the flip side of what it is with Keishon Boutte. Like there are so many people that want to believe. So if that happens, if that window creates itself and I have zero exposure, I can't help my teams take advantage of that exploitation opportunity. Right, I, I don't have that to share. So part of it is like knowing that I'm not taking my guy. Like that that's one of the things that's been harder for me to do, but something I've been forcing myself to do when I'm in this big portfolio league is like giving myself variance because when I'm wrong, I want to have a chance to correct it. And I think that's part of the reason I've taken Boutte a couple times is just because I've seen where he's going in some of these rookie drafts and I'm like, man, I probably should just get a couple shares because there's it. so many chances I might be able to get so, get one over on somebody, you know? I like him. I mean, when when receivers, like, I'm not a big Rasheed Rashi Rice guy. Like, when he's going ahead of him and he's really getting pushed down to this, this late third part, mm-hmm. uh, Xavier Hutchinson, Jaden Reed, you know, people like Parker Washington or King Jarrett, like, these guys really start going over him all the time. Right. At cost, man, I'm just going to go ahead and shoot my shot. Especially, I will only say this. This is only if, like, some of my other guys that I really like at other positions are already gone, right? So, a band is off the board. Uh, Chase Brown's already gone. Um, and I'm staring at running backs like, do I want to take a Deuce Vaughn or an Evan Hole or a Kenny McIntosh or, you know, Eric Gray? Do I want to get into this Ranger? Let me shoot my shot on a guy like Keishon Boutte, who at least I can always fall back on. At one point was loved in the community. And if he comes out Correct. and says he, he does something of substance, that's easy flip material for me. Correct. Easy flip. And and it's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not going to write it off, man. We've seen these wide receivers come in that I loved, and uh, they didn't do well athletic testing. Right, like, right. Kind of got rid off, right? They didn't get good NFL draft capital. Amon Ra. Amon Ra is our guy, and he's been our guy forever. And uh, his didn't profile check the, is didn't check his the DC, profile, right. <laughs> right? His DC is bad. His athletic testing wasn't that great. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd is a guy that I've always really liked. He has a very similar athletic profile to Keishon Boutte. So it's not impossible. It doesn't look good. Uh, it doesn't really buoy his draft stock and make you feel good about selecting him. But at the cost, when some of these other guys are going, I'm more than comfortable taking him. And one more I wanted to touch on here. Where are you at with Dwayne McBride, man? Like, I see him late forever. It just feels like I'm going to end up with, like, 90% shares of Dwayne McBride, and I don't know why. I'll, I'll say, you know what's interesting, man, is I, when I made a lot of my moves for the 23 class, like, I used typically, a lot of the times, these fourths and fifths is, like, I, I could care less. So, one thing I've experienced in these 13 drafts is I I mean I have some shares in the fourth and the fifth round still but I like I don't ever have where I have a lot of times first second third round I will have multiple 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 shots like I have three four five picks in these rounds where it's like I I can get creative with diversifying and taking shots on guys I want a lot of times in the fourth round I'm seeing like I got one pick 
And what happens with that is either I'm in a spot where I want somebody more than McBride or I'm in a spot where he's already gone. Like it's more the, the back end of the fourth round. So I don't actually think – I think I maybe have taken one share of him. And I've wanted to get a little more. But I, I haven't been in a position to get um, as much of him as I would like to. And it'll probably end up hurting me. But uh, I would like to have more shares of him. I, I don't have a lot, to tell you the truth. I, I got a lot of Dwayne McBride through these 13 drafts. I, I believe it, man. I believe it. Just, I mean, I know he doesn't catch passes, man. He's got, what, five receptions okay. total on that's his college okay. in, profile. In the, in the range that you're taking him, right? You're okay with two two down grinder upside, right? And and I'm okay with a guy who's got prototypical size and ran for 1,700 yards in college. Like mm. I, I'm okay. Let me try him out. Um, so the third round, Adam Roshan, my guy. Yeah, I'm gonna have way too much Roshan Johnson. I just know it. I've been trying my best to diversify as best I can, but it's just so hard not to take Roshan. Uh, a Banacanda, your guy. Right next to each other, man. You're going to have a ton of Abanacanda. Uh, I've been on the Abanacanda train for a while. He, I mean, I know it's not the combine, but he killed the pro day. Like, where he's at now and then where his uh, change la- or lack thereof in rookie draft, like what we're seeing in real money drafts, there's been a couple times that he went – I think there's maybe one where he went like 205, and I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. But I already have yeah. enough shares to where I was okay with it. But, man, he is somebody where it's like I'm basically not okay with his profile and his size and speed letting him ever fall out of the second round. So Understandable. That's just where I'm at with him and, and how high I've been on him all along and where we're at today. Like, I can't let it happen. So I'm going to have – I may not have the uh, McNutted McBride, uh, you know, exposure, but I'm going to have a, a very, very high exposure to Israel Abanaganda. Uh Luke Musgrave? It comes up next. That's a guy that I've been getting more and more of as these drafts have been going on, just wanting to diversify the portfolio a little bit. I'll be honest. I, I wasn't expecting to have a lot of his um, – I wasn't expecting to have a bunch of market share to him because I've seen some of these mocks, right? And I think right. that's another thing is knowing where your mocks are coming from because where he's gone in some of these mocks and where I'm getting him are so different. Right. I'm getting him in these mid-late thirds, and I'm like, how? Like I've seen him go in the seconds in a lot of these mocks. So I have a bunch of exposure to Musgrave. Right. He's got a high of 18, so the 206, but he also has a low of 32. <laughs> so. I'm telling I've got him in the third round a bunch of times, and I'm like, right. what? How? Uh, he does carry the 303 ADP for us. Cedric Tillman, Keishon Boutte, Chase Brown, uh, Rasheed Rice. Kind of an interesting one. I heard you and Matt talk about him. Yep. Not, not really a guy I'm in on either. I don't think I'll walk away with any exposure to him. Zero? And- yeah, I don't think I'll have any. Interesting. I, I saw him at the 401 in this last draft, and I, I think I had to take him there. Because, okay. like, there's – I think there's spots I will do it. I'm with you as far as, like, not wanting to really take a bunch of him. But I think that – I've seen – again, this is kind of the point of outside of these certain safe second-round players that we've seen going a lot. There's a ton of variance with these guys, man. Like, if there's right. – if he goes in the second round, you can have him. If he goes in the, probably the upper part of the third round, you can have him. If he gets to the fourth round, again, like I'm seeing a lot of these drafts where he's going so much earlier, am I am I silly to let him keep going past because maybe just off a of name cachet that people have that I don't care about him that I should just flip and hope for that. And maybe I'll, I won't be able to flip, but I'll get a, a player I'm not expecting to be good but who might be decent. Right, right. Uh, 
Maybe I should try to take some, snag some here later. And, and especially, bets. Mike, especially I'll say this, in, in all of these drafts, what's your best ball, right? Because in lineup leagues, shorter lineup leagues, I don't want to take those types because I think personally, even if they hit what they might be um, past their projection that we have for them, they're still roster cloggers, right? Like I, that that's so different than in best ball. You get to the top 70, 80 certainly 60 50 range at receiver right like we all of a sudden care a lot more about you so that's where i'm more willing to take it on rasheed rice depending on where he's going so rasheed rice and Dwayne mcbride sam laporta my guy sam backed up right next to your guy tucker craft imagine let's go man let's go (laughs) it'll be it'll be interesting to see and, and i'm not out on Laporta, by the way. Um, so I, I, I wish the best for both of them. It'll be interesting to see how their these two careers end up because I think they are so similarly drafted. And I bet you people will have a tough time picking which one they want. Right. Uh, Deuce Vaughn and Evan Hall round out the third round, Adam. Let me ask and you this. Look, Evan Hall is yeah. another one that I, I, I have trouble with. Where, where are you? Do you have any exposure to him? I, I've seen him go – early fourth i've seen him go like way late fifth and he's troubling to for me anyway with a a lot of guys i like in this range to evaluate where i should be pressing the button on him i think i maybe have one share at most in 13 drafts so curious like uh what you think about him and your level of exposure so he's the 312 in adp and i think it's it's still a little too high for me um, I'm not touching them anywhere in the third, and I'm probably not touching them in the early part of the fourth, and that's something else we'll talk about here real quick before we bounce out of here. But you get to that mid-fourth, uh, back into the fourth, I'll smash the hell out of taking some Evan Hall. Yeah. Like, he's one of the last guys where I look at it where it's, you know, like Evan Hall. Um, once upon a time, I did really like Kenny McIntosh. That's kind of faded yeah. just because of the athletic testing was not it was very bad. good at all. Bad, yeah. really bad, yeah. Um, Eric Gray has always just kind of been a name. Uh, we've never really seen it. Uh, and then the other running backs that you're looking at, like Keaton Mitchell, okay, Mo Ibrahim. Like, I, I really liked Mo Ibrahim when I thought he was like 230 pounds. Yeah. You find out he's like, he's, he's not that big at all. Not all nearly that like, big, right. Right. Um, Chris Rodriguez and uh, Tyon Evans are really the only other running backs of like, name that have been drafted um tyon evans not even i think he's been drafted twice <laughs> yeah and it might have been auto picks i don't know but uh evan hole is kind of like the last one he's the gatekeeper of running backs that i actually care about so the mid fourth like uh Smash i'm it. in yeah. i'm in uh third round no just so many other especially that you know we just kind of talked about it a little bit with laporta craft and musgrave uh there's so many good tight ends there there's mm-hmm. so many good ones. Mm-hmm. And there's two guys that we haven't even got to because they have fourth round ADPs and they're on the back end. Right. One of them, you and Matt were just talking about in uh, Will Mallory, which he really likes. And the other I've been one taking is in, in the fifth round in some of these drafts. And I'm like, right. you relent. This is, I-, I can't pass it in the fifth round. I can't. The other one is an absolute athletic freak in Zach Koontz. So He's <laughs> more like, troublesome you- for me just because I, like, I know it could translate to fantasy success, but. He, I, what I've heard is there's, uh, like, can he get on the field? You know what I mean? Right. 
right right kenny uh that's the kind of guy like zach Kuntz where i look at it i've taken a lot of Kuntz and you've taken a lot of mallory so it's funny how we back to back on these tight ends all the way up and down the boards yep. uh i'm good taking the the Kuntz where you get i'm gonna get him in the fourth round fifth round kind of like you are with mallory and right. that's a guy like last year when i looked at uh, uh jelani woods just an absolute unit of yes. a human being who is athletic yes. and i go i really don't care what his his college production profile right. was right. like let me just bet on athleticism at this point if i'm going to bet on anything it's going to be on athleticism like i'll pass on the the cameron latus or the Payne durham's or the luke Schoonmakers. like <laughs> let me just get some athletic freaks and uh if you hadn't taken mallory you know as much mallory as you did i would have more diversification because i really wanted to go back and forth but we just kind of poach off each other all the time but it's what happens i mean and you know uh matt bruning really i was in on mallory but then matt bruning kind of made me say all right like maybe i'm more in on on mallory so i i think at this point i have more exposure to him than i probably want to but see here's the thing i think i think here's another point for exposure that's important like if you're taking uh mike and i took l's in exposure last year if you're tuned into this and you're an og of listening to this you know we took l's with antonio gibson for mike and cam makers for myself right but exposure wise right we're talking about at that point fifth sixth seventh round startup picks we're talking about a first at minimum first plus right okay diversification there matters a lot more because if you miss you're losing a lot of value relative to your dynasty team. If I miss on a 405, if I miss on a 502, like l- let's call it what it is. If you don't expect to miss on your 502, you have not played the game long enough because you are tripping. <laughs> you are absolutely tripping. So there's a big difference in like, all right, I'm, I'm overexposed on a guy that I'm taking in the fourth and fifth round versus I'm overexposed on a 105 eight nine right like if you're in that range and you get outside of the cutoff of the first uh tier that we have at 107 and you have a bunch of 108 109 110 111 shares and you constantly take jordan addison you're making a bet there that's very big to your portfolio right because okay if it hits it's great for you but if you miss that that matters a lot to your portfolio right whereas i'm not saying you can't hit somebody else in that fourth or fifth round but relative to your cost investment it's not as detrimental and you don't necessarily have to outweigh, all right, maybe I should diversify here. Go ahead and get your guy at that spot. I think one of the big things too, looking at these drafts and these ADPs and actually being in them is, is how much I enjoy the fourth round of these drafts. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there going, Always. I mean, most of these are probably going to bust Adam. You're a, you're a thousand percent, right? Like I'm probably going to end up cutting these dudes by August, but Sitting here doing these drafts now, I'm like, I get excited because I go like, oh, man, I got the 405. I got the 407 right after that. And there's guys out there I'm, I'm excited about pushing the button. Not so much in the fifth round. We start getting to those, you know, the early part of the fifth round, yes. But I don't know if you notice, like, when you get to the 510, <laughs> the 509, you go, mm, who the hell do I take here? Like, who do I push a button on here? These guys are turds. But fourth rounder. Kenny McIntosh, Xavier Hutchinson, Eric Gray, Jaden Reed, Parker Washington, Rakeem Jarrett, Kuntz, Mallory, Stetson Bennett, Keaton Mitchell, Tanner McKee, Mo Ibrahim. And I'm here to tell you that Adam and I, uh, we, we don't get excited in the fourth round about taking Stetson Bennett or Tanner McKee or Max Duggan or any one of these other quarterbacks. <laughs> like, we're good. Never. That's not who we're talking about. Never. Uh, the, the guys that get me excited 
I want some uh, Xavier Hutchinson exposure. Usually can't get it. Somebody else takes him. Yep. Parker Washington, Rakeem Jarrett, Jaden Reed. Like, yes, I want some exposure there. We talked a little bit about the tight ends uh, and not so much with the running backs, but there's a lot of like wide receivers. I know we talked about the running back depth in this class and then how quickly the wide receivers fall off, but there's some dart throw wide receivers here I really want to take a shot on. And one of the interesting ones is Jonathan Mingo. When we did the first six, uh, nobody really cared about him. And we've done these last couple, and all of a sudden he's a third-round pick. So he's kind of been all over the place, man. I think that's a player profile pushing him up, some other things. Yeah. But he still does hold a fifth-round ADP. Uh, As soon as I get these last ones updated, I bet that jumps into the fourth somewhere. But he is the 501. So what do you think about these fourth and fifth-round guys? Any guys in here that you wanted to highlight? Um, I know you and I both keep fighting each other for a lot of Tyler Scott in the fourth and fifth round, back and forth. That's a guy there. Um, when I see guys like Raheem Jarrett and uh, Parker Washington fall in this range, I, I I can't press the button quick enough. Um, for me, Will Mallory's been one. We've already touched on that. Um, I, honestly, in this range, it, it kind of depends on what's left. And I guess if you're going to be excited for these type of picks, Mike, it, it would be the fact that there is so much variance in the earlier spots. So it's like, all right, now maybe you didn't like uh, a lot of these players, right? But Mm -hmm. you're seeing guys that you didn't think that were going to go in the third round. And then all of a sudden you're in the fourth round. It's like, wait a minute, I I have my pick of these guys. So I I think to me in the fourth and fifth round, it's more of a what's left and what I'm looking at as far as um, the board shows me. And then I'm, I'm also using all the ADP and all the leagues I'm at to see at this spot, who are the profiles I like and I want to bet on versus what are the names I want to bet on? You know, so so that that's part of what I, I do for a process in the fourth and fifth round especially. I like it, man. And then I'll round this out with some fifth-round guys, just some dudes that, uh, I don't know, maybe have a little bit of interest. I know you and I kind of bounce these guys off back and forth. Uh, Trey Palmer on a Nebraska. Chase yep. is going to love the fact that I'm talking about a Nebraska guy, but he started at LSU, so it doesn't really What's count. What's a Nebraska? Yeah, I don't, nothing. <laughs> Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton, just because of the size and speed combination, that's a big dude who moves really fast. Same so, with uh, him and Jonathan Mingo are another one. Yes. Um, Charlie Jones, man, former Iowa Hawkeye, uh, transferred to Purdue, put up a prolific season here this last year. Uh, slot guy. You can just see, like, Bill Belichick taking him. <laughs> like the seventh round. Right? All over him, yep. <laughs> Uh, Andre Iasovas, that was the guy that I think I said. Shane put us on to. Yeah, Shane Hallam put us on to a long time ago. Uh, that's a guy that I've been taking a while. And then one undrafted guy that I get on waivers all the time. Like, it's a priority for me, Adam. I don't know if you're on it yet because I've gotten a shit ton of it, but Elijah Higgins. And yep. not because he's related to T. Higgins or anything, but the fact he's a big fast wide receiver who's almost too big to play wide receiver and there's a possibility he might be Jawan the next type of Johnson. Jawan Johnson or Darren Waller. So yep. uh, undrafted wise, I, I go ahead and I put claims in all over the place for Elijah Higgins. And I do kind of sprinkle in some Lou Nichols just because remember a couple of years ago, we we're hearing about Lou Nichols as that under the radar guy. Um, we didn't hear shit about him last year, but right. he's in the draft. So why not? I mean, especially when we start talking fab budget, I mean, listen, go ahead. You're going to blow your fab budget in the offseason on things that don't matter likely. So, uh, 
Splurge, my friend. Splurge. <laughs> I love it, man. Adam, I had a blast going over these. I always love it. We do more and more pre-NFL rookie drafts every single year. Every damn league that I start is pre-NFL just because, I mean, it's, it's, it's so not much up for fun, shut man. up time. So it's not fun. up for shut up time. Plus, when we get to watch them, like we get to see all these ones where we have way too much exposure to Kendrick Miller and say he goes in the early part of the second round to a good landing spot. All of a sudden, you're doing backflips because you're like, I hit one out of the park. Or the Hennon Hooker one that we were talking about earlier. He does get yes, first-round draft right. capital. Right. Well, it is to the Vikings at 20-something or whatever it may be. I, what I am excited, though, at least for this year, is I think it won't get as bad of a rap. So, like, last year, right, we had basically worst-case scenario. All these mocks for months, and what we've heard is that we're going to get at least a few uh, first-round quarterbacks. And then, like, people in the pre-draft process were so burned. You know, the Sam Howells, the uh, Matt Corrals, the Malik Willis's, right? Those were, I mean, Malik Willis was going 102, 103, right? You got Corral, top six, seven, eight pick. Right. How a lot of times was getting in that first round range. And then, you know, so so those, I think, really put a bad taste in people's mouths for that were just getting into the pre-draft NFL draft, right? And it's like, nah, man, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Why, why who, who, whoever decided to do this? And then I think what's, what's nice about this year, at least is hopefully we don't get a draft day surprise, but the four quarterbacks that we expect to go first round, they're, they're so high up in these mocks that it'd be very surprising for me to see any of those four go outside the top 15. So no one should really get burned on Bryce, CJ, a rich or Levis. And then hookers going in the range in this class to where, like there is the reason he's going there is there is a possibility you do get burned, but you know that going in, taking him at one eleven, two oh one, two oh four, right? Versus last year you take a Malik Willis at one oh three thinking I'm getting a top ten pick and this is a third round guy. So I think at least for me that that is one part of this year's pre draft process that I'm excited for going into next year for people not being so adamantly against the process right. of it because of that. Well, even last year was a bad year, man. We you, you just talked about it. It was a bad year for us. But you look at some of these later round picks. Like I still have sure. the data sheets from last year, right? And sure. the first round was a blow. George Pickens in the second. Jahan well, not even in the that. Adam, I'm going super gross, right? We did six of them last year. Kate Otten was drafted in one league, pick 58. Yep. Like, where's his value now? Velas Jones. I remember giving Brandon crap about him. He took him at the 512. And I'm like, screw you for making me have to type this one in. And all of a sudden, after the NFL draft, we're talking about him. Maybe he's like a late third, early fourth. Like Brandon got right. a value bump off of 512 right. just by doing a pre-NFL draft. Uh, exactly. Isaiah Pacheco was taken in one league last year. <laughs> one league, pick 48. Nobody wow. else had the foresight to take him. Uh, even in the fourth round, rant, Romeo Dubs did all right if you took Romeo Dubs at the 408. That was a nice pick for you. 100%. Uh, Taekwon Thor- Thornton, same kind of thing. So you were able to hit some of these, and that's kind of what I like about it is we're talking about these last couple rounds here, and we're talking about some of these guys later, and we're like, oh, Charlie Jones or Trey Palmer. All of a sudden, we fast forward a few weeks, and we're going, holy hell, that Trey Palmer pick looks really good because he went in the third round to a decent enough landing spot or whatever it may be. So this is what I love about the pre-NFL rookie drafts is – being able to scour it, uh, try to find those gems. Yes, not every single one of them is going to hit, but 
uh, just as bad as the first round was in 2022 for us. The first round in 2021 and the early part of the second round was absolutely fantastic for us in 2021. So, Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Underdog! That's right, Destination Debbie is now partnered with Underdog. It's an incredible opportunity, and you know my affinity for best ball. How about getting in those contests and taking down some of these big tournaments, getting that best ball money? And right now, if you sign up with promo code 4DCHESS, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to the first $100. And the best part is Destination Debbie Discord will be free to you for a year. You will get access to all the strategy that we will be talking about as far as taking down some of these tournaments and the best ball tools that will come with it. What a perfect marriage. Destination Debbie, 40 chess, underdog, best ball, say less and sign me up. Now, back to the show. Adam. We'll see how it plays out. We got a few more to finish up here. Just rounding out some rounds as soon as people uh, stop disappearing, like Jag all the time. <laughs> stop yeah, you know, uh, breaks. He, he re-earned the nickname <laughs> that was, uh, you know, a couple years ago. All of a sudden, the draft's been going great. You know, certain guys have made 15 picks out of the first 20, and then all of a sudden we get to these spots that are random, and it's just it stalls. Dead. And, you know, we got 11 other people that are just waiting on one person, but it happens, man. Um, yeah, we'll have the rest of the data soon, but uh, I'll be honest, man. These pre-draft NFL drafts have been a blast. I think you have to understand the variance and the risks that you're taking, and the more you know that, I think the more comfortable you'll be in these right. type of drafts and understanding what you want to do with your draft capital, what you want to do with all all the players you take, what players you want to take in what ranges. So um, I think it's been really good, man. So, so I'm excited for these. Uh, I'm with you, buddy. That's all I got, man. Take us out of here. And uh, next week when we come back, we will be doing uh, the second edition, the second inaugural, uh, our guys, our draft predictions, so we can see how horrible we are. And and make sure that you're tapped into the Destination Devi draft day stream. We'll be doing it Thursday night. We'll be doing it Friday night. And then uh, we'll we'll keep you apprised. But Adam and I will be doing streaming on Saturday, day three, the day nobody wants to do. But we'll let you know exactly where you can find that. So the whole team will be in full draft mode here in just a couple weeks. And uh, you get to make fun of us on Friday morning when the podcast comes out about how wrong we were. Maybe we'll be right this year. Maybe well, it's in a- every other year. Maybe we're an odd and even. Well, I was kind of it was kind of the prelude is like we can't miss on the corral. We can't miss. At least from what we know, it's so unlikely that these guys don't get first-round draft capital. So it's, oh, he's a clown. He was talking about Will Levis. Like, he's supposed to at least get the capital. So it's not like on draft day he went, you know, third round. And we're like. You say that now. <laughs> Just wait. Keyword likely. Um, those of you that took Isaiah likely and still think that uh, he, he's all that in a bag of chips. Um, he's behind one of the best tight ends, one of the guys that people care about. So trade him away now. But uh, we're likely not going to be as wrong. But you know what? Anything's possible. We we will find a way to mess it up, I'm sure. That's what we do here. But Dynasty DeGeneres, appreciate you tapping in. I hope this was valuable for you. Um, real money on the line. Not just the thoughts. Not just opinions. What Mike and I did. What we did against the rest of uh, the people we played with in our leagues. And just remember, 
when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.